Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Whoa. Okay. We are here. It's episode six of the Firehouse Forum podcast. Uh, I'm David Timberline. I'm the Director of Community Engagement here at the Firehouse, and um, we have a great show coming up. We have a show coming up on stage at Firehouse. It's called Wings, the musical, and it is opening. It's in previews uh, tonight, the day this podcast uh, drops, and it is opening for general audiences this weekend. Uh, It's a great musical. I've been talking about it since back in November. Um, When we talked to Kerrigan Sullivan in our first podcast, we've since talked to Blue Herbert, who's the sound designer. We've talked to um, Bianca Bryan, who is the star. And so hopefully you've gotten plenty of Wings information already and that you're psyched to come out and see the show. It opens this weekend. It's going to be awesome. Uh, A couple other things going on in the Firehouse world on the 25th. We have Burlesque Right Meow um, at 7 p.m. on Sunday, the 25th. And uh, before that, um, let's see, on the 22nd, we have All In. It's a play reading um, that's going to be happening here at 7.30. So if you're interested in that, come on out. And we also have, I'm moving backwards now, um, February 19th on a Monday, the Firehouse Radio Players will be here Monday um, the 19th at 7.30. So you can come out for all those fun things happening at Firehouse. There's always things going on here. All right. So today, uh, there's so much going on. The last week of the show, always a lot of movement. Um, so we've got people popping in and out. Uh, I've got three individual interviews this episode. Um, we're going to be speaking with Margaret Joyner, who is the founder of Heritage Ensemble Theater Company. And her show, uh, Free Man of Color, I'm sorry, her company's show, Free Man of Color, um, opened last week and is playing through this weekend. And um, you can see that at Pine Camp. And she'll be talking about that. And she also has an understudy role in Raisin in the Sun, which is opening at Virginia Rep. So we'll be talking to Margaret about that. We also have Chandler Hubbard, who is one of the stars of Corpus Christi. He plays Judas at Triangle Players, which is playing through February 24th. We'll talk to him about that, as well as a show that he wrote called Animal Control, which has a one-night staged reading on February 18th. Um, So that'll be Chandler. And after that, we will have Brandon Carter, who is new to some folks in Richmond. He was the star of Shakespeare in Love. Uh, He played Shakespeare at Virginia Rep last year. And he is currently co-starring in The Christians that Cadence Theater Company is doing in the theater gym um, down at the Virginia Rep Complex downtown. 
So that's a lot of cool folks to talk to, and we'll get started right now. All right, we are now starting off with Brandon Carter. Hi, yeah. Brandon. Hey, Dave. Hey, thanks, for, <laughs> thanks for coming in. Thanks for, having, thanks for having me. Um, Brandon is currently appearing in The Christians, um, a show being produced by Cadence Theater Company in cooperation with Virginia Rep. And some of you may know him from his previous work in Richmond. Uh, he was the star of Shakespeare in Love just last season. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So that may have been the first exposure some folks got to Brandon, but he's been involved in a couple other things around town. Now, I have to say, since I've been here for a million bazillion years, I, I think I know everything. It's <laughs> so obvious that I don't. And when I first saw that you were cast in Shakespeare in Love, I was like, who is this guy? I don't know who this guy is. And <laughs> then I thought, it. oh, well, he's one of those out-of-town interlopers. <laughs> Get you know, out of here. But then I just I realized in preparation for this that you actually have roots in the community you're not from that far around from here so you grew up in heath heathsville is that heathsville the, yeah heathsville like the heath bar yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh yeah about an hour and a half east of here uh you follow 360 east out uh if you've heard of reedville tappahannock that right. area okay. um and i went to longwood university for my undergrad um, okay. and then went to penn state but um my first show here was at the uh, before uh the quilf switched over with the richmond shakespeare festival okay and i did a uh, um 12th night and um antony and cleopatra with them and that was my first like big show with them and that's i was like all giddy because i got to work with foster and you know he's right. like he's like one of my heroes but it's like <laughs> yeah, <that's awesome. laughs> yeah but uh yeah i'm from uh the northern neck of virginia so that's very very much a fishing town and yeah that's very much of my heritage and, and uh my family trade so okay um, yeah so how does somebody from northern neck get involved in theater get his first bug of the acting bug or yeah well uh I, I always say, I, I mean, I always say that I was a little mischievous uh-huh. and I was always in and out of schools and, and boarding schools and stuff. And um, uh, other people were like, you're fine. But I was, you know, in and out of school. So <laughs> um, when I got back to public school um, in Northumberland County, which is where I'm from, one of my teachers sat me down and said, you're going to read this. Right. Hmm. And I was like, I don't want to read this stuff. <laughs> it was Julius Caesar. Oh, and, wow. Um, she cast me as Caesar and I sat down and read it and. I don't know what it was. It's, you know, you hear these cliche stories, but it, it's it's like it really spoke to me, and mm-hmm. I, it really like grounded me a little bit. And she was like, "Okay, well, you're going to be in this. Then you're going to be in this, and that." You know, it, it turned into a VHL VHSL competition. Okay. So I, you know, I would compete, yeah. and you know, I started to really get get something from it. And you know, I, I'm I always said I was I wanted to do the things that my dad's my dad and my grandfather great grandfather did which was fishing and you know it just kind of gave me some some sort of like I don't know something to to aspire to or okay. reach for you know other than that so yeah what um, kind of feedback did you get from them when you started going into this? <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't understand it. You know, I think I think we have the artistic gene in our family. Like it's mm. it's there, but you know, you have to make money. You got to do what you got to do. You know, right. that's that's the real of it. And um, you know. They didn't understand it, but they were supportive, you know, and I, I've always appreciated that because there were dudes like big guys. Yeah, you know, right. So, um, you know, it was it, I've always had the support and the love of my family and uh, not everybody is is lucky enough to have that. So yeah. I'm really thankful for that. Yeah. That's great. Um, 
But yeah, come on down to the Northern Neck anytime you get a chance. <laughs> <laughs> now, did they come out to see your shows? Uh, yeah, they, yeah. Um, my grandparents raised me, so um, uh, they've since passed this past year and a half. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, thank you, but um, yeah, they were always supportive of that. And my parents, they always support us. They always come to New York, and you know, uh, my aunts and uncles, they're just they. You will know that they're there. They're live. They're like, hey, <laughs> yeah. we're here. We're you know so. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> cool. Yeah. We love the lively patrons. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so you mentioned New York. So I got to ask you about that. So after you graduated from school, actually while you were still in school, you started getting involved in shows in New York. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, I was in uh, at Penn State, and mm-hmm. we did a partnership with. Um, we did a partnership with the Classical Theater of Harlem, um, and before that, we did uh, we we commissioned Dominique Morceau to write a play for us. Uh-huh. And she's since you know she's writing for Shameless now, and and she's had a few openings, big openings in New York. And yeah. you know they, it, it was it was really it's kind of scary because you don't think that's going to happen. You you're just doing the work in the grad school. You're like focused on the you know get this thing done, get this thing done, and. You know, it just kind of happened out of the blue. They came and they saw our show, which um, which was the Dominique Morceau piece. And, you know, they were like, okay, well, we like you or, you know, we like the work that y'all are doing and we want to audition you. So yeah. a few of us were able to, um, you know, really blossom from that that partnership. I ended up I ended up uh, doing The Tempest with them, uh, Mackers, um, yeah. and last summer, The Three Musketeers and a few other readings. And they've really given me... Um, a platform to you know claim my space and like oh well there's not there's not any black actors there or you know hmm. someone I can say like oh well he's doing that I can do that or right. you know that's why I mentioned Foster earlier he was my first experience of that coming out of the neck yeah, okay. and, and it's like okay hey I can do that then I went to grad school and there was another you know few people and then I meet the classical theater of Harlem and they're like they're like <laughs> these proud black men that are doing theater and doing it and and the national black theater they opened the door to me about that and it's like wow i can i can really do this and really play these roles and like it just gave me the confidence and the boost that i needed to really dig into whatever i'm doing and you know and claim my space anywhere and say yes i'm gonna we're gonna do this and we're gonna you're gonna hear what i have to say and and feel my experience you know at least (laughs) you know what i'm saying like you know but Anyway, they, they get me jazzed because it's they're doing some important work and they're in control of the narrative of the black experience, I, I would say. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you more about that. <laughs> it sounds like, I mean, I was going to ask whether, you know, what, what you thought the importance of, you know, specifically black theater companies were. It sounds like a big part of it is giving examples to other younger, you know, actors and actresses coming up as that you can do this work, that this is the kind of stuff that you can do. It's it's important because you know I, I think I think it's here we go okay so I think it's <laughs> I think it's hard it's it's difficult for and I and with this show the Christians you know there's this the idea of what inclusivity versus exclusivity huh. and I feel like when you're being inclusive when you're bringing in you are excluding folks they kind of feed off of each other so it's like when when you say black theater or this type of theater this type of theater. I feel like it's important that everyone, especially critics or whoever, they really are um, taking the time to invest in like the the, the elements of whatever that style is. You know, okay. specifically with with black theater, there's you know, um, I guess they pull from Aristotle, but it's language, it's 
it's music, it's spectacle. There's no like plot character. I mean, there is, but all that's in the word. You know yeah. what I'm saying? It's the word. And, and I feel like a lot of that's left out or there's not a, there's not an acknowledgement of that. And right. I, I, you know, I just, um, yeah, I think that's important. And I think, I think living in those theaters is, is, is just, it's just an awesome opportunity to have that and, and those theaters be in control of their narrative. Right. Um, MBT has been around since the sixties. And I mean, they've been, they, they really, uh, challenged the actor and the audience be, to become the activist hmm. about what's going on in the community. And it's, it's brilliant. And right. you walk into that space, MBT that's been there, they, they own a whole block, they own a whole city block. And you walk in and you feel the energy and you're like, yes, you're black, you're white, you're whatever. And you come in and you're like, okay, I'm, I'm here and I'm going to feel this and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have a conversation. <laughs> you know right. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. um, uh, recently, uh, the classical theater of Harlem has, um, has, uh, taken over, um, uh, the park, um, there and it's Marcus Garvey park. And okay. they, I mean, you get what thousands, tens of thousands of folks that come in and it's the community and they're, they're going to be live with you and they're going to, you know, yeah. they're seeing all their people in these stories and playing, uh, we had Ron Cephas Jones come in a couple of years ago playing. He's in, this is us oh, now, yeah. but Absolutely. he, he was, uh, he was Prospero and, you know, to get, he was right. He lived right down the block and yeah. he was, you know, he, you know, to see him do that, they're like, yeah, that's my man. And you have everybody. And it is, it is so close to what, I think Shakespeare would have been is like you have people like drinking and smoking and stuff and, and walking by and they're enjoying the show and they're getting a piece of culture and done in a specific way. So, right. you know, it's important. It's, it's important not to exclude anybody, but it's it's just important to, to see that point of view. You right. know, um, and, you know, there's another argument about, you know, well, can certain people direct this certain thing? I think you just should be you should do it with an awareness and a thoughtfulness. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Can right. I assess this? Just do it, be thoughtful. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and that's that's how I try to move through coming from New York is just and coming back home is is to give back in any way that I can. And I'm not trying to put myself anywhere, but just to give back. Like right. it's been Well, you have a different perspective than people who Yeah. This is the only work that they've done here and yeah. you know, you've you've been you've done it in a different place with a different experience. So Yeah. That's valuable, I think. It's just I mean, Richmond has given me so much and Virginia in general so it's like I do want to be here and you know pick my brain whatever it's yours you know what I'm saying right. like <laughs> yeah. well and, so. and I think you know and uh, to be honest I feel like that they're particularly in Richmond which is it's kind of ironic because Richmond is you know there's a large African-American population here yeah. and yet African-American oriented theater has had its problems here you know the having you know we've had a couple different companies and and margaret joiner was is on the show this week and you know she started a company that is specifically you know oriented towards telling african-american stories and and i think that's it's important i think to have you know we've had this conversation about triangle players is like oh well you know there's not the same controversy about being gay or having, you know, telling LGBT stories. Anybody can tell an LGBT story these days. And it's like, well, yeah, but you need to have somebody who, you know, has their own perspective and can give it their own, have their experience come through the story that they're telling. And I think that's, I think that's, to me at least, you know, and it's not my story to tell, but it's, that's one of the things that seems really important to have theater companies like National Black Theater telling their stories so yeah. that it, it never it, it doesn't get appropriated by anybody else right it's, you know it's authentic 
Yeah, I just I, I feel like there's you know there's there's also like the you know there are certain folks that aren't you know of color and they they want to tell the story. That's fine too. Like you mm-hmm. know we we need that. You know we need people that want to support and do this kind of. I'm swinging my arms back and forth here <laughs> right, that people can't see, but you know the yeah. back and forth and and the the. I guess the openness and willingness to want to tell other stories as well. Like, you know, I, I think that's what Richmond does really, really nicely. And, yeah. it's, and, I, and I love it. It's, it's just like full, it's so vibrant. Like it just really gets in your guts. So I just hope that, I hope that people continue to do that here because it's, you know, it's inspiring. It yeah. really is. It's really inspiring here. So, well, that's, and that's a good segue. Speaking of ins- inspiration. So you're in a show called The Christians. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm curious, you know, this is, there's some pretty thorny theological things that get yeah. brought up in this show. I was wondering, you know, I, I don't want you to, you know, you're going to have to explicate all the, the back and forth. I know disagreements about the existence of hell kind of plays a key point. But I was wondering, particularly as, part, as the show was coming together and you were in rehearsals, was there a lot of conversation about what people thought about, you know, did, did people's personal thoughts kind of bleed out at different points or was that part of the discussion i was i've been thinking since the show's open um i've been thinking about this and how how rusty got us together and you know he kind of sat us down and was like this is we're gonna play a game together Hmm. and you know it was i I can't even remember the name i think it's contella or something like that and it's sort of like cards of humanity kind of but Uh it gets really personal it's real personal questions Hmm. um so we were, I mean, like the first couple of days, we were like digging in to each other's souls, essentially. And and I feel like we would pick at religion. Like I think I think all of us have an idea of where we stand on it. Okay. But I think Rusty is very smart in not not letting or or really um really kind of uh, keeping us safe from that because I okay. think if we were to do that before we got into the work, I think it would have. I think it would have influenced. I think you'd get yeah. into religion, politics, and stuff like that. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, yeah. And, and as sensitive as we are as artists, like, that might influence. I mean, even though your job is to do the work, to, to, to be in the text, to, to, to do that, that's your job, to, you know, that thing. I feel like if we were to get into it, yeah. I think it, I think it would have been a different show. Yeah. And I think Rusty did a great job of keeping that away. And I and he knows what it's weird. He knows like our souls and whatever. I, and I think I think that we're getting there. We hang out a lot. The cat, the cast, uh-huh. and and it's it's getting there. Right. It's, and I know it's gonna happen. You can't not be in the show and not have a conversation about it. And sure. I, and we've had a conversation about you know the the actual you know, what's going on in the scenes and stuff. Right. But, uh, yeah, it I'm, seems like it's 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 tricky because you want to bring people yeah, together, yeah. but you also want to keep, like you said, keep them safe so it's not like, oh, well, you know, you're fighting about different things just as you're about to go on stage. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, for some that works, but I think I think with our group, I, I think, you know, we're very... Um, we're very strong-minded individuals and, and, and I, I think we're going to... I I feel it coming. I don't know when it's coming, but I, I feel it coming because we're all in the same dressing room and we're all, you know, we're very getting very open and friendly with each other. So it's yeah, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, you can play this podcast and then <laughs> okay, all right, now yeah. we're ready, folks. Yeah. Come on, and, and they they're gonna yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that um, after the Christians, uh, and I don't know if there's stuff happening before that, but I know you've already been cast at American Shakespeare Center for, you know, shows and rep coming up this summer, I guess. Is I have. that true? 
I have. So how does that how does that happen? Did you audition at some point, or do you go in kind of off the street and say, "I want to do a show here"? Or how does that work? Well, I'm, that's how I I try to do things. Yeah. I've always, you know, coming back here to Richmond, I kind of that's kind of what I had to do. I had to be like, "Hey, I'm here. What's uh-huh. up? What's up, guys? <laughs> I want to I'm want to work and I want to be in the community." That thing and specifically with the American Shakespeare Center, they, there's, it's a place that I've always wanted to work since I was a kid, since mm-hmm. around that, that story I was telling you. And okay. they are like the leaders in Shakespeare and I, and it's, it's, you know, in the States. But, you know, I mean, being able to go there where there's there's nothing but Shakespeare, there's a scholarly debate about every all things Shakespeare, it, it really, like, that that gets me all jazzed. Like, yeah. I... I um there i was courting them so i i've auditioned i auditioned for them about three times and okay. i think they came to some shows in in harlem with the classical theater of harlem so i think there was a there was again i'm doing my best with my hands it was a, <laughs> it was a back and forth um but i re- i mean just to be able to be there is um is pretty awesome but just auditioning I, you mm-hmm. you know the thing with chick that is just hustling and hoping hoping for the best right you know you audition for him you let it go but me, I'm gonna send in my resume. I'm gonna do that thing. I'm gonna, yeah. you know, send an email here just to let people know that I'm interested because that's my, you know, Shakespeare is my my bag. That's okay. what I I would like to say that I do. Great. You know, so okay. Um, yeah. Well, and fo- if folks don't know, American Shakespeare Center is in Stanton, Virginia. They have a beautiful theater, and so this summer, go out and see Brandon act out in in Stanton. Do you know what shows you're gonna be in yet? Uh, as you like it. Um, I'm starting out as Orlando okay. and um, Jane Austen's Emma. They've made an adaptation of that, and then going into Richard the Third, and then um, the last one is Man of Mode. Hmm. So um, there's it's it should be an interesting. You know, you know, I'm the one of the rookies. So there's three <laughs> there's three rookies. So you know, there's some folks that have been there for a long time. I'm looking forward to learning learning from them. Yeah. There's <laughs> I'm just so. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I can't help but mention you're you're wearing a Spark T-shirt right now. You guys yeah. are you're working on the um, live art project this year. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not oh, I'm not okay. working on the live art project, mm-hmm. but um, I am I did last year, okay. and uh, it was live art dream. Right. This year's theme is live art love. I'm in the school system, so I'm in their stages program, their charter school um, extensions, and um, you know we're bringing. You know, we're bringing theater into the classroom and, you know, giving them leadership skills and, and, you know, other things that they need to move through because, you know, a lot of that stuff can't be assessed. And I think that's that's really cool about what they're doing is they're they're trying to get it on paper. Hey, this person learns differently. So why how how can we how can we support that and, and, you know, um, uh, accommodate that? You know, so I I support what they're doing and I, I. I've learned a lot being there as well. You know, it's it's um it's challenging work, but it's it's really fulfilling because yeah. you could you know you see the you see it in the classroom, you see it making you know what we do have an effect on them. And right. It's it's cool. It's cool. Like um, Aaron Thomas Foley and, and Spark and yeah, and them they they do it well. <laughs> and, and you need to find different ways to engage with different populations. You know, regardless yeah. of whether they have you know they're differently abled or, or not. It's, yeah. There's always different ways to reach them. So. Yeah. I think that's one thing that Spark's really great at. Oh yeah. yeah, some people like to sing, some people like to dance, some people like visual art. It's, there's all those sorts of there's cool different ways. To, yeah, there's different ways to get in. Um, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us. Um, I've been speaking with Brandon Carter, who is appearing right now in The Christians at Cadence Theater Company. Go out and see it. And thanks for coming in. Thanks, Dave. Thank all you right. for having me. Appreciate it. All right, my all right. man. 
Okay. We're here with Chandler Hubbard. Hi, Chandler. Hi. How's it going? Good. Thanks for coming in. Of course. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about Chandler, and then we'll start chatting. Um, he is a graduate of UVA. Is that correct? Grew up in Ashland. Is mm-hmm. that true? Okay. I never, you know, you can't believe Wikipedia, so I just got <laughs> um, So he has been seeing, being seen in shows in the Richmond area at least back to 2013 when you did See Jane Quit. Was that your first show here in town? Or? Uh, technically my second one, but it was the first one where an actual audience showed up. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> what, you were doing shows behind, you know, no, hidden I, shows? No, uh, it was a show uh, with a theater company that is no longer in existence, oh, okay. and uh, I think it may have been their second to last show. Oh, all right. Yeah. Well, that's a prestigious place. <laughs> yeah. One of their last I'm shows. the reason that the theater uh, company yeah. well, fell hmm. apart. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I first saw um, Chandler in The Altruist, 2015 theater lab which was an awesome show um he's been in a shall i say crap load of shows since then <laughs> and is currently he well he was in desire under the elms here at firehouse last fall and is currently appearing in corpus christi at triangle players playing everybody's favorite judas through february 24th and then upcoming on february 18th sunday at clave coast and gallery he'll be um, presiding over, I'm assuming, his staged reading of a show called Animal Control that he wrote. So we have so many things to talk about. First of all, so you're playing Judas. Yes. That seems, uh, I mean, it's it's a truly meaty role. Playing Jesus or Joshua in this production is Adam Turk. Yes. Did you meet him during Desire Under the Elms? Because you played brothers in Desire Under the Elms. Uh, we actually met during uh, House at Pooh Corner. Oh, okay. He was Tigger and I was Rabbit. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> so are, is this going to be a pairing that continues on? Are you going to? Well, be... we're actually roommates. Oh, um, well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, this is actually the second time that within a couple of months I played someone's brother and then their lover. Oh, really? Uh, the, the first one was with the altruist with McLean, where I was her brother and the altruist. Right. And then in Stupid Effing Bird, I was her lover. Right. And I think... Um, I don't know that that's going to be a recurring theme in my, in my career, <laughs> right. but you know. Well, I'm glad it didn't happen with Pooh Corner because that would have been a little, little weird. Well, <laughs> well, we, we were we were um, sort of antagonists in uh, that okay. show because yeah. Tigger is a good guy and Rabbit was kind of a jerk. Right. I okay. tend to play um, kind of jerks. Nah. That, that seems to be my mo. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you seem like a nice guy in person. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Well, <laughs> and this the Judas in Corpus Christi is is a pretty. I mean. You understand what he's going through. It's he's a very bit of, human. He's very human. He's a little bit of jealousy. It's a little bit of uh, I don't know. It's to me, he's, it seemed a very human character. Is there? Did you do any research or um, to, to get into the character of Judas for the show? Well, it's very difficult biblically because yeah. he basically is first mentioned when he betrays Jesus. Okay, there's yeah. very little backstory. There is contention about what actually happened to him afterwards. Right. There are, are multiple versions of how he dies. Um, and there are multiple versions of why he betrayed Jesus in the first place. Right. I think the most common is that he was doing it for the money, yeah. which is sort of silly because 30 silver pieces is basically like three lattes at Starbucks. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So maybe he liked lattes. I don't know. Um, but I, I think it's people trying to figure out why someone would, would do that yeah. because there is no reason for it in the Bible. And that's such a dramatic thing there has to be something 
there has to be some impetus for why he did that. Yeah. And people are just trying so hard to figure out what that is. I don't think there's ever been a real conclusion. Right. Well, and I think, and I'm, I won't spoil it, I mean, but uh, I think the dynamic that's built in this show is a really interesting one, kind of unique one, um, and seems as plausible as anything else. Right. So the show's been running for a couple weeks. As, you know, the ultimate bad guy, have you been <laughs> gotten any feedback afterwards from people who've been like, oh, you bad Judas, you? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, it's been mostly positive. Yeah. Usually... In cases like that where I play a sort of villainous character, um, people tend not to respond to me afterwards if I come yeah. out. Just ignore you, basically? Well, not ignore me, but just, just say in passing, oh, oh, oh yeah. it was a good, you know, whatever. Okay. Right. Um, but I've, I've gotten people talk to me one-on-one. -on -one. People message me on Facebook. I had someone message me on a gay dating app mm -hmm. and tell me his theory about Judas. And oh, I was nice. like, great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry that you have to see my shirtless profile picture on here, but <laughs> yeah, I, I think it it stirs up a conversation. Yeah, because Judas is so human in in this version, and that's not something people are really comfortable with. Right, the idea of someone doing the ultimate betrayal. Yeah, I mean, if you read Dante's Inferno, there are three people in the lowest pit of hell. Yeah, and one of them is Judas. That's right. Um, and I mean, if you if you read the Gospel of Judas. It's very similar to the uh, Dumbledore-Snape dynamic in Harry Potter, oh, okay. where Jesus basically asks Judas to betray him so that he can die and then save right. the world. Yeah, And there's a reason why the Gospel of Judas is not well known, yeah. and why it was hidden from basically everyone, right. because that's a really controversial thing, to think that maybe Judas isn't the bad guy, Yeah, because who then is the bad guy? And I think Terrence McNally, in this play, very deliberately, he makes Judas an antagonist for sure. But there's also a complicity with the audience. Yeah. Um, Judas asks the audience, you know, what will you give me to betray him to you? Right. And the audience is complicit in, in Joshua's betrayal. Um, and I think that is uncomfortable to people, especially people who are familiar with the rhetoric of uh, the real life Jesus and have never really thought about it in that sort of way. And, and so has there been, so people have not asked you about that afterwards. You've, you've obviously thought about it a lot. So. What? Terrence McNally does not give us easy answers in this yeah. play. He never, there's never a point where Judas says, I'm jealous that Jesus doesn't love me enough, so I'm going to betray him. A lot of it is subtext. A lot of it is thinking about a line at the beginning and a line at the end and trying to connect them. Right. Um, I spend the entire stage or the entire show on stage. I never leave the stage. None of us ever do. So Judas is present for a lot of things that he's not vocalizing. Um, there's probably a good 40 or 50 pages of the script where I don't say anything. Yeah. Um, but I think there's as much in what he doesn't say, uh, as much in, in what he says. Wow. Yeah. This is, I mean, it's. I really enjoyed the show. I think what is amazing to me is that I, to me at least, was I was not as put off by what maybe some people would be the putting a certain homosexual context uh, to certain either you know specific characters or certain interactions. What ended up being more jarring to me is that when it actually starts very much narrowing down into the true, you know, the kind of traditional Jesus story, at that point I was kind of like, oh, this is so interesting up until now. Yeah. <laughs> now it's like, oh, yeah, I know what's going to happen now. It's a surprisingly um, gay light play mm -hmm. for a, a play about 13 gay characters. Yeah. At about the midpoint, it stops being a gay play. It's right. just us reading the old, uh, the New Testament. Yeah. At some point, I literally pick up a Bible and start reading from yeah. the New Testament. 
And I think most people who have the the controversial response to it are people who haven't read it or people who haven't seen it, and they yeah. just read a Wikipedia blurb <laughs> right. or they see the trailer. Sure. We've gotten a lot of messages. Um, the theater has gotten a lot of messages, and it's usually people who saw the trailer for the documentary. Oh, okay. um, And they say, I can't believe uh, Jesus struck a female actress. There's no female actress in our play. <laughs> you know, I, I can't believe Jesus is practicing polygamy, and there's no polygamy in right. this play. It's just stuff they saw from a one-minute blurb. Yeah. And, you know, it, it doesn't... And they're probably set up to be angry anyway. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Most of these people have no intention of boycotting or showing up or right. doing anything if we respond to them. Yeah. Which we, we haven't been. Right. Um, but they just... they just People just want to be angry. Yeah. People want to have... I mean, yeah. you, you could do this play any sort of way. You could do this play 13 women. Yeah. You could do this play 13 black people. You could do this play with 13 Jewish people, which they were Jewish, right? you know, yeah, absolutely. and people would be offended by it. Yeah. Well, um, let's reel back a little bit. So, you know, this is something I ask most everybody. What, where did you first get the acting theater bug growing up in Ashland? That, that's a, a weird question for me. Okay. Um, you haven't caught it yet, basically? You're still waiting. I'm still waiting. <laughs> Man, it's, Any it's, day it's, now. It, and I'm just so naturally talented. It just sort of like fell oh, into my lap. Okay. Yeah, there you go. Right. It... <laughs> You're in a drugstore. Somebody saw you. You're like, you need to be on stage. <laughs> Weird story. Yeah. I was in a uh, a Barnes Noble once, and I was like ordering, I don't know, like a chocolate chip cookie or something from oh. the the cafe. And someone walked by and was like, "You should be on the radio." And I was like, "I am 11. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know who you are. Yeah. Go away." But in terms of like my first acting gig, mm-hmm. so to speak, I'm, I'm doing air quotes right. around the word gig yeah. since you can't see me. I think it was like second grade. There was a touring version of uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Okay. And I think I think it was Theater Four, maybe. Right. And they were like, what they would do is Prince Charming and Snow White would be real actors, and then they would have a, kids from the actual school in each in each school they went to. And we would like, I don't know, we had lines because we're just kids, right? But like, <laughs> we, we we were the dwarves. Okay. Um, and we had these ridiculous like hula hoop costumes, and I think. One of the kids either got sick or couldn't do it, and they were just like, "Here's this other kid that's yeah. laying around." Okay, Chandler, come do it. And I was like, "I am a star," <laughs> um, and that was probably the best role I've ever done. <laughs> right? Yeah, it it wasn't a natural inclination for me. Hmm. Okay. I'm more of a, a reader and a, a writer than a than an actor. Okay. Um, I mean, some some uh, reviewers have probably <laughs> caught on to that. Oh, um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I'm an introvert, and that is not always um, the easiest transition from being in my corner to walking out onto a stage. Okay. I, have, I get stage fright. I, I got stage fright walking into this room about to talk to you. <laughs> Just me. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it, yeah, it's, it's sort of happened. Okay. And um, I think part of it is my parents have really driven all my brothers and I to do something, to leave a mark in okay. the world. Um, my oldest brother's a lawyer. My second oldest brother was a professional athlete. Okay. Um, and my third brother is a doctor. And then wow. I was the art kid. Okay. So, you know, my, my parents always said, you know, leave your mark. Never uh, walk away from a place without leaving a little bit of you with it. Huh. You know? Wow. So, so I will be leaving a shirt here. Okay. And, right. then, and then walking right. away. Well, I like your sweatshirt. It's Thank very, you. Very yeah, nice. Thank you. Um, uh, so did, when you went to Virginia, what did you, or UVA, what did you study? I didn't, I didn't do any theater at okay. UVA. I didn't, I don't think I even saw a play there. Wow. I like to read. Um, my parents suggested that I, I branch out and try other things. Um, 
I sort of fell back in a liberal arts capacity. Okay. You know, I, I, I wish I had put myself out more. I sort of thought that I could distance myself from that and try new things and be new things. And then I came back to Richmond and I was like, I'll just be an actor. <laughs> it's what I'm just really good at. Okay. Well, know? I mean, you're being facetious, I think, but you, you were cast. I mean, I know at Chamberlain Actors Theater, you like were in every show they did for about six <laughs> yeah. months, you know, you yeah. like three shows in a row there. Yeah. And then I don't know at what point you fell in with the theater lab folks, but, um, you know, you were great in altruists and, you know, then you were doing Body Awareness at Fifth Wall, which to me is one of your standout roles. I really enjoyed you in that show. Thank you. Um, did, you were playing a character who was on the spectrum, basically. I thought you did a great job. And so I think you have talent, whether you consider, <laughs> you, I mean, clearly casting directors and directors in town have figured that out too. So when did you decide to go into playwriting? That's sort of been a thing that I have done for a very long time. Okay. Um, I mean, I I finished my first novel in seventh grade. Wow. It I'm was, jealous now. Well, it was a really embarrassing, <laughs> basically like an extended X-Men fan fiction. Oh, sweet. It was okay. just an extended version of like an X-Men story. All right. Um, but I, I, don't, yeah, I don't usually say that part. I usually just say, say <laughs> seventh grade, 300 pages. Right. You know, and people go, oh, Ooh, wow, you're so, so impressive. Yeah. And, you know, no, it's about mutants with superpowers. <laughs> um, but that's that's hey, you know, don't get down on fanfic because that's how Fifty Shades started and look what's yeah, happened there. Yeah, yeah. I wish I was that rich with my X Men yeah, fanfiction. There you go. Um, yeah, being an introvert and and you know being quote unquote lonely and sort of isolating myself has sort of been a a normal thing for me. Hmm. And when you can have some product or something that you can say that you did in your time alone, it hmm. Makes it feel less lonely. Okay. Um, so, like, in in high school, I basically spent most of my time at school or in the bedroom. Um, and I I wrote 97 episodes of a TV show. Wow. Um, again, a really bad TV show, <laughs> but it was 97 episodes, and I'm really proud of that. Just sort of <coughs> places where I could put emotions or feelings or thoughts that I wasn't verbalizing to people. Okay. And so what is uh, Animal Control about? I'll give us a little... Well, animal control started out as basically therapy for me um, because it is based on something that actually happened to me. Um, It starts out as a story about um, two dogs that get into a fight at dog park. Uh, And, you know, dog parks are a very good source of drama. Yeah. Because they usually, it's usually lots of fun and then somebody, some asshole shows up and and ruins it for everybody. Um, And this happened to me a couple of years ago where uh, my, I was there with my dog and another dog came in and just went after him. Oh, jeez. Um, and it was a guy who didn't apologize. He didn't seem to care. People who were there were like, oh, yeah, that's that guy whose dog always attacks everybody. Oh, man. Um, and I was shaking because this is like my first dog that I, I really considered mine. Yeah. Um, and we had, I, I lived out in the woods in Ashland, so I never really went to the dog park. It was always our dogs out in the right. woods. And I was like, this is my dog. We're going to go to the dog park. Mm-hmm. And this is probably our second visit. And he got attacked. Oh, jeez. And it was, it's, it's so much worse when it happens to someone else. And it's someone else you can't explain that they were innocent. Okay. Um, not, not that it's not bad when a kid gets attacked or something. Oh, yeah. But, like, there's a, a communication barrier with animals where you can't say, this was not your fault. Right. You know, this is an animal that's cowering and is crying and, yeah. and 
it doesn't understand why it's feeling pain. Right. And I, I was just angry for a very long time. And I, I didn't know where to put it. So I just wrote this play about why this guy would allow that to happen or why this dog was allowed to be that vicious. Um, and then it transformed into what I think is, is a, I don't, I don't want to toot my own horn, but it's a, it's a beautiful story. And oh. I, think, I think the actors are, are doing a beautiful job bringing it to life. Cool. Well, and um, I don't have them written down here. Who are the actors in the show? I know it's got uh, a great Sarah cast. Heifetz, mm-hmm. Austin Lewis, Nancy Colley, Jody Matzer, and Amber Marie Martinez, who played my stepmom in Desire Under the Elms. Right. Well, Sarah also played my stepmom in Body Awareness. <laughs> this is Richard I have a lot of mother figures. Yeah, well, Richmond, you know, if you're not sleeping with somebody on stage, or they're a parent, or yeah. they're just a kid, or something, that's the way it works, I guess. I think I'm pretty much stage related to every single young actor in Richmond. All right. Well, that's I mean, nice. I, I Melissa Johnson Price was my mom in state in body awareness and right. she's been everyone's mom. Yeah. So we're going to have to start a seven degrees of Chandler Hubbard. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. That's start it. Good. <laughs> right. Well, I think we're going to wrap up with that, but uh, thank you very much. And, you know, let me know how, or I'll, I'll start the seven degrees and, <laughs> you know, I might need to get some more information from you, but we'll get yeah. that going any minute. Great. <laughs> <laughs> um, appearing at, uh, Triangle Players with Corpus Christi through February 24th. Chandler Hubbard, thank, thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. All right. Take care. Okay. I'm here with Margaret Joyner. She's been singing, acting, costuming for years in Richmond, um, starting as a customer with Theater 4 back in 2004. Uh, she got her master's degree in pedagogy, in 2011 from VCU and has been a professor, a professor at Virginia Union since 2012. Uh, she's done costumes here at the Firehouse for shows like Pop and Night Mother. Um, but the big thing that we're here to talk to her about um, is that she founded the Heritage Ensemble Theater Company in 2013, and its production of Free Man of Color just opened um, it actually just opened the night before we're taping this, and she is also um, an understudy in the next Virginia Rep show, Raisin in the Sun, uh, that is opening this weekend, Virginia Rep. So she's got a lot of things going on. And I wanted to um, start out, Margaret, saying, you know, I, I first found, knew about you as a costume designer when you were with Theater 4, um, and then discovered that you were an actress and a writer and a director and so many of these other things. I was wondering what your entree into the theater world was. Did you start out as a customer? And, I mean, is that your foundation in theater? Well, I've sewn since I was 13, um, but that was out of necessity, you know, because, you know, when you grow up poor, you do what you do, do you you know. Uh, And then once I, I, because back in the day they had home ec, Oh, in school, right? So I yeah, learned. I took shop and right. all those girls. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Yeah. So I learned how to sew uh, and sewed ever since then. But yeah, that's how I got into acting. Wow! And so, where were you traveling before you came to Richmond? Uh, I had just graduated from uh, University of South Alabama, mm-hmm. and I had gotten an internship at the Santa Fe Opera. Okay. And I knew I needed a job after that was over, so I applied for. A uh, whole bunch of things, and the only person that answered was Theater Four. Oh wow! And so on the way to New Mexico, I stopped through here, yeah. interviewed, got the job. They said we'll wait for you, 
Yeah, and great. I went and did my internship and came back, and I've been in Richmond ever since. That's great. Well, it, it seems to me, I mean, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the, it seems like the costume design uh, universe in Richmond is kind of small. It seems like, you know, there's people like Sue Griffin, Sarah Grady, Liz Hopper, and you, you know, people who get, you know, used, you know, brought in over and over again. Mm-hmm. Is it because, do you feel like that's because it's a hard thing to break into? Is it pe- because people like to use people they know or, or you know how do you um it's just hard yeah because in all actuality a costume designer is supposed to make pretty pictures right and then hand them over to a shop okay but here <laughs> in Richmond, that's, you make doesn't work pretty that way. pictures and you build it and you wash the clothes and you i mean you do everything right um pretty much voluntarily because nobody can pay you what you what you're worth not for all of that right um so it's hard yeah. Uh, and Richmond doesn't like change. They like to use the same people over and over again. Right. Well, I guess that there's the good side and the bad side. Make yeah. sure the people who get used get used, but then <laughs> right. it's hard for other people to break in. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what was your inspiration for starting Heritage Ensemble Theater Company? Uh, that's actually a nice segue. Yeah. Uh, because even as a costume designer, I got used periodically. Right. Um, and uh, I think here is the last place that anybody called me to do costumes. Okay. And that was a couple years ago. Right. And so um, I heard a lot of discussion. There was a lot of discussion in the African-American community about not having consistent work, you know. Um, and so I said, well, why not create our own work? Sure. You know? Right. Um and so I had a couple of people, Shalandis Willis-Smith and Stephanie Pope Hubbard. I said, you know, this is what I like to do. Are you guys with me? And they were like, sure. <laughs> All and right. so we started the Heritage Ensemble Theater Company out of necessity. Okay. Um, and it's also important because there's a lot of theater companies around, but right. there's only one active African-American company. Uh, we yeah. do have the African-American Repertory Theater Company, but they're they're not active right now. Right. Um, so, yeah, we did it because we needed to. Um, we we give opportunities to actors, people who want to direct, who've never directed before. Um, I've been directing here for I don't know how many years, and the only person that's ever called, the only other theater company that has called me to come and direct for them is RTP. Yeah, okay. So if I wanted to work and direct and do costumes and consistently. You got to do it yourself. got to do it myself. Well. Yeah. And it, do you think that's because there could be a lot of reasons, I guess, but, you know, there's a lot of closed communities here and a lot of people who like to work just with the same people. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, it it's, it's hard for me to, I don't know, it, it's surprising to me sometimes given how, you know, I think Richmond, for a while at least, or, it, it, you know, it's got such a large African-American population mm-hmm. and there doesn't, you know, when... African-American rep was was active. It seemed like they were doing good work and they mm-hmm. were doing well. And so I, I, I've always been kind of surprised that, um, you know, there, there wasn't a sustained, there was either wasn't a sustained effort or there couldn't be sustained, sustained support or, I mean, it, it just must be difficult. I mean, it, is, it is very difficult. Yeah. We've been doing this for five years and the three of us have been doing it on a voluntary basis. Right. Um, we started the company with uh, $2,000 out of my savings account. 
and we kept flipping it and turning it over, you know, <laughs> until it ran out and exhausted itself. And then I had to take another, you know, a couple thousand out of my savings account and, in order for us to, to stay just above water, right. you know, because what we don't want to do is have a reputation of not being um, able to keep our word. Right. And so a lot of our actors and techies, they get paid. They don't know how they get paid, <laughs> you know, but we make sure they get paid. Right. Wow. It's so challenging. Um, so you've been, you've, you're at this point, you're a playwright and you're a director and you're a designer and a producer and all these things. Is there one aspect of it that you like the most or that you find most rewarding? Um, as I get older, uh, acting is becoming harder and harder. Oh, really? Uh, yes, because memorizing lines is becoming harder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I tell people, you know, who do reach out to me, um, g- give me a smaller part. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, I love directing, but I think what I am most passionate about is writing. Okay. But it, it kind of fluctuates because with this show, I discovered that I can I can build sets. Okay. I'm a, who knew? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you do what you have to do, you right. know. Well, and so as the, you know, you've directed a lot of the shows that Heritage has, has done. Mm-hmm. Is it hard to kind of take a step back and let some, because Tony Cobb is directing this? Yes. Um, and so it was a little bit hard to step away and let somebody else Take charge? Not at all. No, no. <laughs> okay. no, because usually what happens is I, I even if I'm directing, then I, I do the costumes and I do the, uh, you know, yeah. set design or, or whatever because, you know, we have to pinch pennies where we can. Right. Um, but, no, it wasn't hard at all. And then these guys, we had Tony Cobb, have Tony Cobb this time. We had Dale Hopkins to um, direct Wine in the Wilderness. Right. Fantastic job. Sure. You know, um, so that's, that's, what we do, we we want to embrace people and give them the opportunity that they might not get otherwise. Right. You know, because uh, Tony hasn't directed that many shows. He's an actor. Yeah. You know, but that's something he said he had a passion for. So I said, well, go for it. Cool. Did a marvelous job. Yeah. Marvelous. DL knocked it out the park. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, uh, I wanted to ask a little bit about um, Raising in the Sun. Mm-hmm. So you are understudying... Uh, the role of Mama, and it's who's being played by Trezana. Is it Trezana or Trezana? Trezana Beverly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I know she's coming in from out of town. Do you? So do you know? I'm, I'm wondering if this is kind of the. I know understudies don't always know that they're going to go in. Sometimes they actually do know that they're going in. So do you know for sure that you're going to be playing the role at some point? No. No, you don't know. Mm-hmm. You're just. So how did you get brought in for this role? Uh, actually, I wasn't brought in oh, for this role. No. Okay, I was. I auditioned. Uh, they they called me and asked me to come and audition for Mrs. Johnson, the next door neighbor. Oh, uh, okay. Which was great for me because it's a small role. I don't have to memorize yeah, any lines. Right. And then when I got there, um, they asked me to read for Mama, and I said, oh, "Okay." And I did, and they said, "Well, you know, would you be interested in understudying her?" Oh, okay, <laughs> but what about Miss Johnson? Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> and so they decided not to put that addendum in the in the play. Okay, and so that's how I ended up being understudy. I've never understudied before. Okay, so do you know? Do you know if they're gonna? How long of a lead time you'll have if they? If they call you? I have no idea. Right? You might get the call half hour before curtain. <laughs> right. <laughs> Who knows? Oh, boy. Now, are, 
do you have to specify that you're you know, you're going to be clear of those dates if you're an understudy? I have to be clear for the run. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, that kind of puts you on the hook. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, well, so you know, right once Raisin opens, there'll be Free Man of Color, songs from the Soul. Virginia Rep is also doing right now. Mm-hmm. Raisin in the Sun. You know, I'm a, I'm kind of assuming it's because it's Black History Month that a lot of African American centric shows are being produced right now. Mm-hmm. Do you see that as a good thing, or is it? Would you rather it just be more African American centric shows all year long? and not necessarily focused in such a kind of discrete time period. Uh, absolutely. I, yeah. I think doing it during Black History Month, it's, it's a good thing yeah. because at least it's, you know, it's out there and it puts more of us to work. Um, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, if they were more often, that would be good too. Right. <laughs> um, but that's why we're here, yeah. you know, to make sure that it's consistent. Okay. Um, and we do um, a children's show. We do a Black History Month show. We do a classic, and then we do a, a new works. What, you know, I, we could probably talk for another 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. about um, colorblind casting, but that's one thing that I know there's been a lot of conversation about um, lately. Mm-hmm. Do you have any kind of capsule thoughts of, you know, what whether you think that's important or not important? or uh, I think it's appropriate when it's appropriate. Okay. They're not, nobody's going to cast me in Dancing at Luna, sir. Okay. okay. <laughs> right. so, so no other person should be casted in Raising in the Sun. Right. Yeah. I think it's appropriate when it's appropriate. Yeah. Well, Free Man of Color is, from what's listed on your website at least, is the last show of the, your current season. So what do you have planned going forward? We uh, just applied for a 501c3. Oh, awesome. And so that's pending. And then once we get that, we can start begging for money. Yeah. Um, Like everybody else. (laughs) Like everybody else. We we can get in line. Hopefully we can have a little bit of an edge because we're, number one, the only African-American theater company active. We're all women. We're all African-American women. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So hopefully we can, you know, get some help. Yeah. Um, so we're going to concentrate on uh, fundraising and putting a board together. We want to take our time right. and, first of all, make sure that this is something we wanted to do for the long haul. Then we wanted to make sure we had a track record so that when we come to someone saying, you know, well, can you help us out? And they say, well, what have you done? We can say, well, this is what we've done. Right. Okay. So that's where we are. Okay. And mostly looking for a home that's not going to cost us a fortune. Yeah. That's yeah. So many... There's so many companies that yeah. need a place to be. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering about how, I think about this with so many people in theater because you, you know, you're a teacher mm-hmm. and you, but you, you know, you also run a theater company. Mm-hmm. You also act and write and produce all the, you know, when do you sleep? <laughs> <laughs> Not much. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> Um, I'm learning to take care of myself better. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm learning to say no. Right. Because uh, I, I do get different requests. And somebody texts me today and said, can you can you repair a pair of jeans for me? No, I yeah. can't. Right. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm learning yeah. how to take better care of me. 
It does seem to be so. I think for so many people in theater, when you're wearing so many different hats, you're running around to so many different places, you lose track of like, oh yeah, I, I do need to sleep. I need to eat. I need to exercise. Right. I need to do those things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so usually when, when my body says, okay, Margaret, you're done. Right. Then I listen. <laughs> and that's when I get in the fetal position in my bed and I stay there for two days. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. Yeah. Well, that sounds that seems like a good place to wrap it up. If you're talking about when we're done, so <laughs> we can both turn the heat back on in here and get yes, cozy. Lord. Okay. Well, thank you for coming in. Good luck with uh Free Man of Color. I hope thank the run you. goes well. And um I hope you get a chance uh, to be mama on raising in the sun. All right, thank you so much. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. All righty. That was the sixth episode of Firehouse Forum Podcast. Thank you so much to everybody who came out. Thank you, Margaret Joyner. Thank you, Chandler Hubbard. Thank you, Brandon Carter. I think between the three of them, they represent at least four or five different shows going on right now in Richmond. So after you come see Wings, the musical, uh, please go see all those other shows, including Free Man of Color at Heritage Ensemble Theater Company, Raisin in the Sun at Virginia Rep, Corpus Christi uh, at Triangle Players, and of course, The Christians at Cadence Theater Company. There is so much stuff going on. So be sure and see what you can and um, come back in a couple weeks and we'll talk about what's next. Uh, thanks for tuning in. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.